In today's show, we have uh, Chetana Purushottam. She is a marine biologist and the head of uh, marine conservation and education at uh, Dive India. She is also working on her uh, nature education project. It is called uh, Spiders in the Sea. I happened to go to a conference uh, in Bangalore uh, by uh, Nature in Focus called uh, Nature in Focus Festival. Uh, it was uh, sometime during this uh, August. One of the speakers was uh, Chetana. She spoke on quote unquote how do we reconnect people with our ocean. Uh, it was interesting and uh, you know uh, it showed how uh, education plays a critical role in uh, all these things. I immediately felt that uh, she has to interact with the kids at uh, Mango Education and also be on our uh, show. Um, she readily agreed to it and uh, here we are. Without any further delay, let's jump into the episode. Hello Chetna, welcome to Hello Educator. Hi, nice to be here. Okay, let's start with a basic uh, question um, the layman wants to know uh, when it comes to marine biology. Um, what is marine biology and uh, who is a marine biologist? What do they do? Okay, so marine biology is basically a very vast field that's really understanding uh, the functioning of marine ecosystems. So everything that happens in the ocean where you're trying to understand how all the living organisms are interacting with the the environment uh, underwater. So the ocean itself is actually, as everyone knows, it's very vast. But it's also very diverse. So people tend to assume or tend to imagine the ocean as being like just this vast uniform space from how, you know, it appears from above the water. But there's actually numerous ecosystems there. There's coral reefs and there's seagrass uh, ecosystems. Then there are there's the deep sea, then there's the open ocean. Uh, you also have the ocean where right where it touches um touches land so you have the intertidal ecosystems where you have mangroves you have estuaries so it's a pretty vast environment and so this is an overarching field as such but there are many specializations that you can have there you also have oceanography which is really focusing a lot on the um, the, the environmental factors the physical factors that go into how the ocean functions so you can have uh, like you have different fields you have avian biology you have herpetology so marine biology is it's a huge umbrella which has many fields in that. So a marine biologist is somebody who is really trying to understand uh, the science of how it all works. So it could be anything from the the ecology to the behavior uh, to physiology where you're looking at something that really, you know, the internal functioning of a particular animal that's found in this place. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, let's rewind uh, 20 years and uh, get into the nostalgia mode. Like, who was Chetana and how did she fall in love with animals? Okay, 20 years ago, I don't think I was really thinking about what I wanted to be. And uh, I definitely knew my likes and dislikes. I have loved animals since I was a child. Um, and um, I didn't really think about wild animals until much later. But uh, I genuinely enjoyed playing with cats and dogs. And um, we used to do a lot of trips outdoors as a family. And um, 
but i think it was something that that i grew into slowly i i've always liked biology always liked science and um, i guess towards uh, the end of high school going into college that's when i started to think a little more deeply uh, to be honest i didn't think of this directly uh, i mean um, right from the start as a career it was elimination of a lot of other things um i did not uh, i was not very keen on medicine i was not very keen on engineering um and um i for a brief period wanted to do veterinary science i, I did actually research into it quite a bit and uh, it, it was a couple of misunderstanding uh, misunderstandings in the whole process of application and stuff so i actually missed out on that opportunity uh but it was i mean it's uh, it has worked out really well because i would have been a terrible veterinarian and uh, uh i don't think i could have dealt with operating on animals and all of that so um but but that's when i started to uh, realize that you could actually have a career in you see television and you see that there are wildlife biologists and people who work in the field but it wasn't something that i thought could have was happening right around me um because at the time when you when you watch uh, your exposure exposure to wildlife is on television and movies and nothing was really from india at that point so it didn't really occur to me that i could be doing something like that but once i was in college i got to meet a lot of different kind of people i realized bangalore where i grew up is also a kind of hub um for where a lot of um, wildlife science takes place it's very close to the western ghat so the it's very uh, easy to access these places so i uh, yeah i think after I, while i was doing my bachelor's degree in bangalore i um started volunteering in some organizations uh, and eventually soon after i graduated college uh, my bachelor's degree i went to the agomer rainforest research station where i worked for a year and so then uh, it kind of hop skipped and you know grew from there so i think from the age of about 19 20 i've been tra- doing something or the other i started off as uh, a volunteer then uh, doing some research assistantship and then eventually did my masters degree in wildlife biology uh, and then came um, studying marine ecosystems during my masters course so yeah so this is over a span of about 10 11 years yeah like you mentioned like you've been uh, you know exploring different aspects of wildlife like uh, uh, you know you've worked uh, with reptiles you've worked uh, on uh, birds uh, like how how did you end up uh, uh, you know choosing marine ecosystem rather than anything else um like i i keep thinking back uh, to this actually and i really do feel that uh, if i had been exposed to marine ecosystems earlier than i actually did i would have definitely uh, gotten into it right away so i think it was lack of the opportunity of ever having you know uh, gone on a snorkel trip or a dive trip or a, a, just putting my head in the water with something like a mask on where you can see what it looks uh like underwater because i i've been uh, we've always gone to the beach regularly from when i was a kid but it always stopped at you know near the waves so you just play around in the water get thrown around a bit that was my uh, ocean experience uh, i'd never been on a boat never been on a cruise or anything like that so uh, during my masters program we had a, a marine ecology field course so it lasted about 3 weeks where we got the chance to go to the andaman islands there is a research station there called the um, Andaman Nicobar Environmental Team that that was started uh, in the early 90s by Romulus Whitaker who also started the Agumbere Rainforest Research Station and the Crocbank so it had already been established for a few decades and 
our course was taught there and we learned everything about marine ecosystems in a crash course kind of format and we had the opportunity to learn how to dive and snorkel and basically explore the marine ecosystems right from scratch and i think pretty much all most of my classmates were doing something like this for the first time so these were people who had studied elephants before or leopards and tigers and and all of us really thought that you know we were all wildlife biologists and stuff or aspiring students of wildlife biology but we had no clue about the marine ecosystem and for me especially that was the life changing like i instantly fell in love and like and i knew from then on that that's where i wanted to work so i keep thinking back on whether you know uh, if i just started if i just done something like this even like a few years earlier i would have i feel like i've lost a few years of seeing some really you know beautiful healthy reefs before mass bleaching events happen that's something i keep thinking about but anyway the journey is what's important <laughs> True, true, true. Uh, when was your uh, first dive, and uh, like, di- uh, you know, what what was that uh, decisive moment? You know, something. Uh, it, it was it like you know you saw something jaw dropping that made you fall in love with the marine ecosystem, or like, you know, how was it? My first dive was in two thousand thirteen uh, when we did this course uh, in the month of March. So our entire class had gone, and. Um, I think when I first uh, I was really excited about the marine ecology module for various reasons I mean it it was really fascinating the idea of of being able to understand that which was something uh, I had no idea about so here we were getting the opportunity to start from scratch and we had some amazing professors uh, who I had heard of before as well and uh, the whole idea of going to a place like the Andaman Nicobar Islands which was out of a dream and um but the and so i was really excited i would learn how to dive that's something new as well but uh, i was still thinking about it as an amazing experience and i would come back and focus on looking at birds for my uh, thesis project and all of that but uh, my first dives were really it'll be amazing for anybody who's doing it but we were learning how to dive so it was learning how to be independent from the start so um, i was really really clumsy at at first so you get to do four dives as part of your course you do we did pool training and theory and all of that but my four actual dives in open water were really clumsy i was able to do the skills that they taught us and stuff i was good enough to be certified as a diver but for myself i was not comfortable at all which means when someone would say come look at this little christmas tree worm which requires the rest of your body to be totally still mine would either start floating up because i'm excited and and i'm breathing a lot or my fins would touch the would seem like they're going to touch a coral and i would you know you know start to panic and kick very fast so it was very clumsy and um, but it was um, the dives following that when uh, the in, the instructor who i was with just said you know he suggested something that i should change with the number of weights i was wearing something very small like that which i didn't think too much about but uh, that made such a difference to my buoyancy which is pretty much the most critical thing um that you need to be able to be comfortable with when, when you're in the water and so on that dive what happened was so prior to this course when i was in bangalore uh, when we were preparing um 
I was actually wondering what a fish in the ocean must look like. We know about sharks. We uh, we know about say tunas and you know turtles and stuff like that. But I didn't know what a coral reef would look like. So I went on Google and I just typed uh, typed coral reef and I I looked up the company that we that that trained us lacodives and I went to their gallery and I I just all of those fish looked so bizarre. Um, I had I didn't even think those things actually exist and uh, one of them was a box fish which actually looks like a small uh, box it's like a fish that has swallowed a, a square box that's literally how the fish looks and I thought that was so crazy and then there's another fish called the lionfish um which has these uh, uh, spines all over it and, and has these very feathery fins so it looks a bit like a lion i guess with with a few stripes and neither of these two look like the typical fish that you learn about or you draw in your school in your practical books and all of that and i just thought if i see something like this that how amazing would that be but on the dive that i was finally comfortable i actually saw both of these two fish and uh, in the flesh and it was just uh, th- that was the life changing moment if i think back it was a combination of finally getting uh, because once i dropped that weight which was suggested to me by the instructor suddenly i was perfectly neutrally buoyant whether i inhaled or i exhaled i was in the same place i was able to cruise i could go close to a rock and see a christmas tree worm look up at some you know fishes that are swimming by but not start to float up and so i was comfortable in you know with myself and as a result of which i could look at things around me and actually pay attention and appreciate it during which time i saw two of these things that i just was looking at pictures before didn't really think they exist i actually saw them uh in the water and at that point i i was hooked uh, being a marine biologist i think uh, you might have to uh, spend a lot of time in research and uh, research studies and all that right like how do you uh, and how and why did you want to get into the Uh, marine uh, education uh, space rather than completely focusing on the uh, research aspects i think there were multiple reasons so i think at the baseline was that i really wanted to spend a lot of time underwater that that was my main motivation and my couple of reasons for this one was that uh, um my the research in this field started during the masters course after they they took us for the the field training component i chose a topic to study underwater like a marine ecology topic for my master's thesis uh, what i was looking at was how sediments that run off from islands how they influence how corals are structured in the reefs in those adjoining regions and i really enjoyed that study and i found uh, it was kind of like a, a pilot study for me it was the first time i was doing any kind of research underwater and I I had some preliminary results that I wanted to work on further so that's how I started with my research um there were a couple of roadblocks in terms of logistics uh, in the andamans with that to do with permissions and a few other things like that and which heavily de- delayed my project it required me to change locations and all of that that was slightly demotivating um but not something to uh, you know stop me working completely but um parallelly I was doing the pro, uh, doing my work at the time in Havelock Island which is a tourist island um which has some amazing reefs uh, and fish and diving but it also is a place where pretty much everyone comes to the Andamans to dive and I was doing my field work at the time in collaboration with a dive company called Dive India 
they didn't have to take me or allow me to die with them but they were doing it generally because they've always been very pro research and they see the need for more science to be done uh, in these areas which will ultimately help in conservation and um, so they've always been supportive so i was doing my field work through their company which meant i would go on their boats every time they had space and do my field work and i got a chance to interact with tourists at that point and so while i was really interested in research i realized that if you generally hear about how people talk about one of the major problems right now is the lack of awareness about nature that people in the cities more and more are becoming disconnected with nature the oceans has like an even more serious neglect problem part of the reason is a lot of the people are aren't living on the coasts or people who live on the coasts don't always Uh, are not always very comfortable in the water not everyone is going to go into the ocean and all of that so um with that as being one kind of barrier there's very few people who are actually very curious to know what is happening underwater but the problems or the threats that the oceans face affect you whether or not you're interested in the ocean or want to go diving or exploring um it's going to affect us nonetheless because as humans or any other living being is depend on the ocean no matter where we are whether we're in bangalore in delhi or in alaska our survival needs and stuff are um provided to us um heavily we we heavily depend on the ocean and um so initially i was getting a bit frustrated by it because when you go in today's age if you go diving no matter where you are you can see the effects of climate change and for me it was so easy to see how uh, um someone having a huge carbon footprint is eventually affecting the ocean which in return feeds back to how our climate is changing further and is affecting us even further so for me it was so obvious but it was not obvious to other people and i realized it's because of a basic uh, lack of understanding and and in a place like the andamans which has such a huge tourist turnover so most of the people who would come diving probably won't come back but we'll still keep getting more and more people so there's this huge opportunity that i felt needs to be used and um i started doing some while i was doing my research i would go with some divers take them underwater show them a few very basic things and it would really excite them so it wasn't like people were uh, you know deliberately wanting to be uh, unaware it's just the lack of opportunity of being sometimes you need to be guided you need to be shown uh, and taught a few things and then i actually uh, once i started doing this i realized that i found it very rewarding and i felt that i actually enjoyed teaching more than i actually enjoyed doing the research myself so it was a combination of uh, reasons and events that were happening simultaneously and i felt that my contribution would be more uh might be more useful in the field of education and uh and the 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 space that i'm extremely uh passionate about and really love is the ocean and i felt that diving and snorkeling or any kind of ocean based activity is the best way to help people connect yes when you show people movies or presentations it has a huge effect but being able to show them everything uh that's right around them has an extremely significant impact that you cannot substitute yeah so i want to talk about the some of the education programs that you are uh, uh, doing along with uh, dive india yeah um so the basic principle underlying the programs that we conduct is very simple it's based on the fact that 
most environmental education not just the ocean from my observation um focuses a lot about how things are going wrong there's definitely so many different threats um and today people can see the effects of all of that kind of panning out very um like all around us whether um it's sudden floods sudden drought erratic weather sudden heat islands in cities uh, or coral bleaching underwater so the effects of um the threats that nature face and how it affects humans is very evident but in my experience and my personal belief is that um we need we need a lot of people to be able to think to be able to identify all of these problems and to work towards a solution not everyone needs to become a biologist or a scientist uh, in whatever uh, whatever profession they choose or whatever their way of life is to be able to inculc- inculcate or incorporate you know a, a lifestyle that is built on you know ecological responsibility which according to me doesn't come from constantly seeing everything that's going wrong or bad or collapsing around you because for for someone like me the reason i feel so interested in trying to uh, make a difference is that i love that i love nature i love being in nature i find everything about it extremely fascinating and i want to be able to spend more time and um, learn and discover new things about it and i feel that has to be the the motivation behind someone wanting to do something so most of the programs while we do touch um, on conservation threats and all of that the basic principle is to excite people about the environment ex- um, get people curious to know what actually lives in the ocean how it works for them to be able to realize that there is actually life that goes on there there are animals that um, have their own um, ecology they interact with each other there's a whole ecosystem that functions there it is very intuitive for people to understand all this uh, when you think of a terrestrial ecosystem so if you look at a forest or if you look at a grassland it's so easy for everyone to make the connections it's actually it can be that simple with the underwater world but you actually need to point those out a bit so so some of the programs that we have um they a lot of them are to do with diving so depending on what level of a diver you are whether you're some someone who is just coming for a one time experience or if you're you could be someone who is coming to learn how to dive so you get a license and you can keep diving diving wherever you want after that it's like a jungle safari of sorts it's called fun diving or you could actually be coming to us after finishing your certification and we take you out fun diving so we have a number of different dive sites we give them names so we have something called Johnny's Gorge we have Dixon's Pinnacle we have the wall the slope based on their topography and each of them has different um life to see like how you would go to a nagarhole or you go to a periyar something like that except you need to train how to dive you don't need to be trained how to walk or sit in a jeep so what we do here is that most people who go on a dive yes there's the experience of be going underwater and focusing on your breathing and all of that but we then tra- teach them about some of the marine life that they're actually going to be seeing and sometimes it is as simple as that so in an introductory dive program we we always brief our divers about the animals that they're going to see not just list them out but tell them what what are some of the things that are interesting about it which they can actually see in front of their eyes for example um you have uh, a parrotfish which is a herbivore so you can actually see it scraping rocks um to feed on algae their teeth are so huge they look like beak which is why it's called a parrotfish and that is something that 
they will instantly recognize in the water um and so something like this could be um, structured into a whole 2 to 3 day program where we advance this knowledge a bit more and so that we are able to engage people a little more uh, into the understanding marine ecosystem so we have uh, if you are already a certified diver then we have a uh, introduction to marine ecosystems sometimes we have extended versions of this where a program that we call decoding secrets of the reef so anyone can come do this program as long as they done at least the basic certification and so we do this program over four days by the end of which they can no matter where they go to explore dive or snorkel they will be able to identify some of the creatures they're seeing be able to observe their behavior and see some of the interactions that unfold and because then what starts to happen is that people are able to identify themselves okay this coral doesn't look very healthy i don't see the color there then they will start to ask questions okay so has there been a bleaching event here or why is there there seems like the you know the fish population here is quite less so then they can start to understand that this is an area probably where dynamite fishing happens and eventually people are able to think of okay how is the seafood that i'm eating in this restaurant in this particular island where is it coming from and so those connections are actually easier to be made and so we have programs for people who you know who come in uh, you know singly or um, you know as a family but we also tie up with schools we tie up with uh, you know people who bring uh, expert outdoor education groups um that brings uh, children over we we have um, kids that come from you know all the way from delhi pune bangalore uh, chennai bombay that come over for anywhere between 3 days to about 6 days and um, sometimes we have even like mixed uh, marine ecology camps which are about 5 days long it's for anyone who's interested the minimum age for that is 12 you and there's no maximum age because when you come to the andaman islands it's an island ecosystem which is again very unique so we don't just start and end with the diving we actually slowly you know get back onto land taking people through all the zonations of you know going from underwater right to the middle of the island what are the changes that you see in the, uh, in these islands and how uh, something like uh, tourism or or people who call these islands home how do they depend on the oceans and the natural systems around that so and the trick about doing this because we are a dive center and we do cater to tourists is is not making it like a you know a biology 101 kind of se- session but actually making it um, interesting and fun that someone would want to choose to do it on a holiday yeah great great this this conversation just reminded me of uh, sekmol which is located in uh, ladakh you know it is uh, they are just building a himalayan school because uh, they see that the uh, indian uh, curriculum uh, in schools as such doesn't cater to uh, their uh, lifestyle or ecosystem so they are not able to uh, relate to the life lifestyle and uh, uh, the learnings that the people in the plains uh, have and uh, they are not able to apply that learning in in their day to day lives so do we have uh, 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 an exclusive uh, Uh, sort of an education system or organization that caters to people living in uh, islands because the ecosystem in the islands is totally different uh, from that of the uh, peninsula that we uh, have it in uh, you know 
That's actually a very uh, interesting question. Um, I'll try to keep the answer concise. But uh, like with your case study of Ladakh, the Andaman Islands is actually completely different from mainland India. Like from a geological history and the fauna and flora, it it is very different because it's actually closer to um, Southeast Asia. And um, there is the whole um, cultural history. I mean, you do have the indigenous tribes. Then we got the British colonizers and then India took over. And so the the people history is also very interesting. But so right now, the people who you, you meet in the Andamans, the islanders, are settlers. The people who have come in the past hundred years, you know, over for their introductions have different stories. But the generations of people who have uh, been born in the Andamans, many of them that have not been out. People who are 40, 50 years old who have never been out of the Andamans. And um, it is still that way very remote. In terms of facilities, in terms of infrastructure, it is, um, it's, it's quite different from, like we don't have high speed internet. We don't, people have never seen trains. Uh, if they've not been out of the Andamans, they've never seen trains, they've never seen a horse. The only reason people may have seen a peacock or a, a deer is because the British introduced them, and so they're actually introduced or invasive, and they're found on a couple of uh, you know small islands. So in terms of being able to rela- relate to mainland India, which is uh, as you will read in and study about in schools, is definitely an issue. This is something that was actually addressed uh, um, a long time ago. There is a textbook called Treasured Islands. Uh, which is actually an amazing um, uh, study uh, study tool for children in schools, and um, it was recent. the The Department of Education actually asked for it to be uh, revamped recently, about uh, maybe five six years ago. And so the Andaman Nicobar Environmental Team and it, along with Dakshin uh, Foundation, tied up with um, the Srishti School in Bangalore of uh, art design and film and they actually read this textbook and it is phenomenal and so I think it's a work in progress taking it back to the schools again but it's basically meant to be a teacher's um, manual on um, and and basically Treasured Islands is made for the Andamans. Treasured Islands is the Andamans where um, it talks about all its different ecosystems, it talks about um, the people who live there and it tries to teach all the various important things like science and maths and geography and everything and history through the story of the Andamans. So something that they can actually relate with and it actually works really well. But I think now it's the process of actually taking it back, integrating it into the school and uh, getting teachers to actually use it and children to get a chance to do it. So, And because the Andamans is a place where you step out of your house, you step out of the school and nature's right there. You, they could, you know, the beach is very close by, there's forest all around you. And so that is the kind of um, your subject are, you know, all around you. And... Because without that, the the whole issue of relatability is there. So that's going to be a huge uh, problem. I'm I'm not sure uh, how far it's working. Uh, some of our audiences are uh, parents, um, teachers, and also some students who are like 14, 15 years old. So can you uh, tell us like uh, what are the uh, traits of a good uh, uh, marine biologist? As in like who who should be the one who who can aspire to be a, a marine um, biologist? That's a tough question. 
I mean, I think anybody who wants to be a marine biologist can be a marine biologist as because if they've thought about it enough, that means they're really interested. Marine biology, right now in India, you don't have any bachelor's or master's degrees that focus on marine ecology. If I'm not wrong, I think Amity University is coming out. It has a course. Maybe the, in the past couple of years, you can check that out. But I think that there is a lot of scope for it. If you are interested, it doesn't have to necessarily involve going underwater all the time. It doesn't, like I said, uh, it doesn't have to be something that requires you to use diving. It ultimately depends on what your um, the work that you're doing requires. If you're somebody who's interested in, you know, understanding deep deep sea ecosystems, then that is something that can actually be an option for you. That is, you know, steadily growing field. If you're someone who really wants to understand mangroves or you want to understand or study coastal ecosystems, that is something that is definitely doable. So not everyone needs to go underwater all the time. But I definitely think that you should you should love water and you shouldn't be scared of the water. That would be a basic uh, necessity. And uh, the issue generally with any wildlife field is you will reach points you will see, you will reach these folks in the road where you're wondering whether you want to continue doing kinds of, uh, you know, marine biology research that it's really, uh, some people will call it esoteric or some people will call it something that doesn't necessarily have a practical application tomorrow. Some people say that, you know, the oceans are in peril. There is uh, There are so many um, man-made threats that are affecting it. Conservation is so important right now. Why aren't you doing some research that, um, you know, is affecting conservation right now? So there, there will be folks in the road where you will have to make a decision. Or if you're okay with some amount of uncertainty and you want to just, um, you know, uh, take it one step at a time, that is also one way to go. So if I were to think of uh, who can be a marine biologist, I would say to begin with, you should love the water. And secondly, try and um, try to get an all-rounded uh, understanding of marine ecosystems. Uh, just like coming from my own experience, because I got interested into it in a much later stage, if someone is ex you know much younger and they actually have the opportunity to start from the basics, it'll be great if before they specialize in something very specific if someone's like yeah i really really love sharks or i really love turtles to really spend some time um starting with the very basic starting with just understanding oceanography starting to understand all the different marine ecosystems and slowly kind of specialize into the 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 taxa the animal or the plant or the habitat that they're interested in i think we need we need to have more people that have a good comprehensive knowledge um, which for me right now, for me it came a lot out of self-study a lot, and um, um, which was challenging, but I realized it was very important. So yeah, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you. So uh, yeah, I finally uh, remembered my uh, question on spiders and the sea. Uh, you know, educating people uh, through uh, photography. Uh, can you just? Uh, uh, talk a little bit about that so uh yeah it's actually interesting that you bring up spiders in the sea it's actually a very new initiative that i started with my colleague uh, john the idea of spiders in the sea is to use uh the focus of it is actually 
nature education so so for me my passion and interest is the sea largely for him it's spiders but it's everything from spiders to the sea and so trying to use our skills uh, of um, being able, uh, of writing and photography to to do the things that i was telling you before which is to get more people to be excited in love and curious about nature um so through through our photography through our writing through the workshops that we we've only literally just begun so but the plan for next by next year is that we want to be able to to do you know workshops out in the field um with people to introduce them to nature um so it doesn't have to be necessarily in the ocean but it could be in the forest and to collaborate with people where we can come together and do more of these kind of experiences that we can create for people uh we also are it's also a platform for us to actually do a lot of exploration of our own so we have so many questions that we have that we want to explore spiders in the sea is a way of actually being able to go on expeditions and um take that experience again to people through through photography through writing and actually at also being able to take people out there with us great great so uh, we have a lot of uh, um, educators budding educators this is something that i uh, ask all of my uh, guests in the show um what advice would you uh, give to your uh, fellow science folk who wants to get into uh, education mm, okay that's an interesting one let me collect my thoughts so i have uh, come to learn a lot of things along the way and i feel that in my experience so in the programs that i do there is a kind of um, classroom sort of discussion and then there is the going out into the field and doing and learning observing doing and learning something and i really feel that most of the learning and absorption happens when you're actually outdoors so for even the the smallest kind of illustration and example if you can actually take someone outdoors um there is nothing like it so you know and the outdoors could be literally the garden space in a campus or it could be making the effort to find the nearest park that makes all the difference so for for me for for example in spiders in the sea um john uh, does a lot of uh, his specialty and his passion is spiders through and through and so he does a lot of um uh programs with kids as well as with adults and for most people spiders are you can you know a spider but literally nothing apart from that so he can take someone who didn't know anything about spiders was actually or you know totally repulsed by spiders to by the end of half a day session is you know saying hey john john come here i think i saw a twin tail spider or you know hey this leaf is twirl do you think that there is this is a you know like a retreat of a jumping spider so it this is someone who's like 60 years old who you know used to just constantly squash a spider he sees in the bathroom so and it was all just through how how much time and the the kind of outdoor time was used and so i would say that you know uh, if you have a particular kind of uh, environment or uh, you know set of animals or community of animals that interest you uh, then i think your passion really comes through when you talk about it to people and that itself is it it um, excites anybody especially when you then are surrounded in the environment that you are talking to them about 
um that i think um because if i was talking about a subject that i wasn't as familiar with um i think maybe how that kind of, that information is passed on might be may not be as effective in in my experience um and the other thing is not to underestimate the amount of interest that people will show you need to have a little bit of patience and you know follow through a little um and i think like people have really surprised me uh in in my time just in the andamans for example so this might be a you know a familiar story that you hear but the andamans are supposed to be like a, a honeymooners paradise and a huge population of tourists you will see will be honeymooning couples um it's something that everyone jokes about but in my experience they're actually the most peaceful kind of tourists because they want to be by themselves they're not you know large groups of very noisy people and all of that that's also fine but the thing is usually when some uh, you know a couple that's newly married that comes you know everyone's probably like oh no you know i don't think these people are going to be interested you know they're just going to want you know selfies and pictures uh but with with that kind of uh, you know profiling or just judging you lose out on people who might actually not know anything in the beginning yes they might want just pictures and stuff but through the course of your you um sharing um your knowledge in time with them you might actually see that change so these are people who would then come on an intertidal walk with me at first you know being you know are the spokes or the sand is uh, you know uh, feeling funny under my feet to then being able to spot things themselves and by the end of work end of the work actually saying you know i didn't know that there could be life in the sea when the water goes out and uh, uh, then saying okay where else can i do this now and so i think also being open to different kinds of so so the model is being open to different kinds of audiences and um, it might be a challenge but those are the kinds of people that would probably need and come to love the education that you're giving i think broadly that lovely uh, beautifully put uh, thank you so much for that one more question like um, so i'm just introducing a new section for this podcast it is called explain like i'm 5 So the question for you is uh, uh, explain like I'm five. What is a coral? Okay. To begin with, corals are animals. They are invertebrate animals in that they don't have a spinal cord or a backbone like us. The closest relative of a coral is um, jellies. So uh, what we used to call jellyfish before. So corals are animals that. Um, have stinging cells so if you were to imagine it um they they look like um say a, like a cylindrical structure with petal like tentacles that come out from the top so those actually can sting which is their uh, strategy to catch plankton which is their food and plankton is uh, lots of you know microscopic plants and animals that are constantly floating around in the water now the beauty of corals are that while they are animals they have a symbiotic relationship with a with a single cell microscopic algae um if you want to remember the name of this algae it's called zooxanthellae but otherwise all you need to know is that these small um, algae live inside um the the each uh, inside the coral animal 
and so how their partnership works is the coral is providing them shelter instead of you know drifting around in the water where they might get eaten easily and in return this algae which um, can you know uh, perform photosynthesis produces up to 90% of uh, food for the coral to eat and what happens is that um, by the end of it coral technically is plant and animal and um, what then happens is that the coral now has enough energy to build a skeleton so even though it doesn't have a spinal cord it can use the calcium that's in the water to build a calcium skeleton so this is a very slow process you know like if you fracture your hand like how the your bone takes time to heal coral also builds um calcium uh, carbonate very slowly and the other very interesting thing about corals are that they do not live alone corals um live together in colonies so every time you look at a very colorful boulder or a colorful you know set of branches those are made of individual coral animals that we call coral polyps but there are a few corals that live um, uh, singly that live alone but majority of them uh, live in colonies and so different so coral polyps live uh, they grow in colonies and you'll have multiple different colonies different shapes and sizes that eventually make your coral reef then you can have fish and then you can have all kinds of other invertebrates that live there and then you have a coral reef ecosystem okay okay that was an overwhelming information for a 5 year old thank you so much chitna uh, uh, thank you so much it was wonderful uh, talking to you thanks for the opportunity it was fun that brings us to the end of this episode i hope you enjoyed it i definitely enjoyed interacting with chitna and learned quite a lot i am looking forward to dive and uh, explore the magical world underwater how about you are you already planning an eco tour to andaman Let us know through social media. Uh, give us a feedback; it'll be really helpful. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, this is Asif signing off. See you in the next episode. Let's talk about your uh, patented uh, crab dance. What? How did you find my patented crab dance?